Yeah, now we can roll. Uh, okay, so uh, let, let's talk about Square. Uh, you know, I know first things first, um, busy earnings season, part of the earnings season anyway. I, you know, this is always one of our busiest times of the uh, year as people who study stocks for a living uh, and, you know, hundreds and hundreds of earnings reports about this slated to hit in the next several days. Um, August 5th in particular, I think, is, is when a lot of companies that I watch are, are hitting. But uh, Square kicked it off. Um, sort of <laughs> unwinning, unwittingly uh, kicked off results for everyone who's expecting their their results to arrive later. Uh, last night, I was you know looking at my our, our DMs on Slack, and I was like, wait a second, <laughs> Square released, and it's Sunday evening. What on earth? And uh, I, I think part of the timing of their earlier than expected uh, quarterly release was that big acquisition of Afterpay. They're paying twenty nine billion dollars uh, to acquire the pay as you go specialist and uh, competitor to uh, a firm, which is maybe the more prominent, but man, $29 billion company. We'll talk about that in a minute, but, um, let's maybe tackle just quickly. Some of the headline numbers for squares, uh, second quarter results uh, quarterly net revenue was up 143 percent year over year to 4.68 billion uh excluding bitcoin total net revenue was up 87 percent to 1.14 billion uh, technically that overall top line including bitcoin fell short of estimates uh i think most analysts on wall street were looking for closer to 5.05 billion uh but on the bottom line adjusted earnings more than tripled year over year to 66 cents per share they more than doubled analyst estimates uh gross profit was up 91 percent. pretty impressive in that sense but um maybe to start uh, excluding the implications of the afterpay deal um what i'd love to hear your thoughts and your bond on on what the implications are the underlying drivers of square's business you know what what led to those headline numbers well, Steve, like this is just a business that's, you know, I, it's just firing on all like cylinders, right? I mean, I, th- I think the biggest thing for me is, you know, the first thing I check is the um, the gross payment volume. That was $42.8 billion this quarter, right? And you compare that with a year ago, and maybe you're looking at, you know, um, a year ago compared maybe it's easier because it's lining up with COVID and things like that, uh, or the peak. Peak COVID, but that was like twenty two point eight billion. So, like, I mean, the gross payment volume is going through, um, is increasing rapidly, and then of course, the, this is basically an ecosystem that has like you know the the two parts of the ecosystem, right? The cash app ecosystem and then the seller ecosystem, yeah. and both are really, really doing really well. So, I mean, the cash app. Um, if you think about the cash app, they are uh, they had they reported about forty million. Uh, monthly active transacting customers, right? That's in, in June. And that's a pretty big number. And what they're saying there is um, nearly two thirds of their, um, you know, their monthly active uh, transact- transacting customers were active uh, each week on average, uh, right? And, you know, two thirds of them were active each week. Uh, which is again pretty big. Um, the peer-to-peer continues to strengthen um, across the so, and that makes sense. You know, as you add more um, uh, more Cash App users, then peer-to-peer starts becoming more relevant. Uh, that's that's fantastic. And in the, in the second quarter, sort of volumes on the Cash App network increased nearly four x compared to two years ago, right? And and they're sort of positioning Cash App as like in a catch-all, right? It, it does so many different things. Uh, for uh, for people, right? And you know, they're trying to even drive uh, like you know deposit taking and things like that. So 
I, I think that's really, really, really doing very well. And then on the sort of the seller ecosystem, the thing I, I look for is what is interesting. I think in the seller ecosystem is my first impression of Square is I remember those little white small small square looking boxes, right? <laughs> so when I go to my right, yeah. When you go to the farmers market, that's what you see. Um, and so what does that tell you? It's the small business owner that, you know, needs a convenient way for a payment terminal, uh, you know, or a point of sale um, a terminal. They use those things, but they are slowly but steadily going upstream, right? So they've got, you know, larger, you know, customers and then, you know, the enterprise style customers that they're adding. And that's what's sort of driving the, you know, the gross payment volume through, uh, through their ecosystem, and that's rising. And I think that is, again, uh, fantastic. So, yeah, I mean, those were the, really, like, I mean, again, nothing really to complain here, right? The EBITDA number was, was fantastic, and 360 million uh, adjusted EBITDA in one quarter. Net income was, what, 200 million odd. I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, I'm a shareholder. I'm a very happy shareholder. I have been a shareholder for a long time. And um, I just see that, you know, they just, they just get it done. <laughs> Yeah, and and I I think the network effects of businesses like this are really underappreciated. And uh, I guess the the big question uh, that it kind of calls into mind at, at this point is, um, you know, how much farther can a big business like Square run? You know, we're looking at a it's what's it's market cap sitting around 120 billion uh, shares of more than or, or yeah more than doubled over the last year, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, you know, we've seen um, you know, some pretty mammoth increases, but uh, I. I think it would be a mistake to assume a, a business like this can't, you know, continue to succeed and generate market beating gains, even, even from, you know, a relatively enormous base. Uh, and then, you know, to that end, um, thoughts, I, I guess, uh, maybe a, a, an overview of, of, of thoughts on, on afterpay, uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, maybe recap kind of what we talked about in the live stream earlier. Like, how is this exciting? How is this potentially concerning? Um, you know, is, is 29 billion too much to pay for a business like this? What do we think, uh, about afterpay and, and its implications for, for, uh, square today? Cool. Steve. So I'm going to segue into it by mentioning one thing, right? So you took, let's think about how big this can be. If we, mm-hmm. even if we ignore afterpay altogether, one of the things that, you know, we need to realize about, um, square is that square is largely an American focused company, right? I mean, their largest operation, I believe, outside of America is really Australia, right? And they yeah. just started offering, for example, like, you know, Square Loans in Australia. Um, and they have, I think, international uh, international expansion-wise, they've just, in May, they started, they got into Ireland and they've got a bunch of things that they've, you know, opened up, so, you know, a bunch of software products and hardware devices. And, you know, so they, they're calling it the most comprehensive new market launch. So in, in terms of just markets that they can open, it's fairly big. And that brings me to sort of afterpay, right? So afterpay is a completely different beast, right? So buy now, pay later. You, you know, you buy, say, a $200 sneaker, you pay upfront a quarter of the price, and then the remaining three, you know, you pay over installment. Sometimes you actually pay nothing upfront and you pay these over, um, you know, four, four uh, installments. Then, so I guess the main thing in my view is this is really a buy now, pay later has become sort of a new payment modality. 
Right. And it's a new payment modality in the sense that if you think about the type, you know, customers, many customers are saying that they don't want credit cards. So this is orthogonal to credit cards in the sense that one simple problem that credit card could be that you've got a credit card, you forgot to pay, and now you're slugged with a very heavy interest uh, interest charges, right? You don't have interest charges with a buy now, pay later sort of model. Right. So it's, you know, even if you forgot, you probably have a late fee, but you wouldn't have interest charges. Um, and, and that, I think, is an attraction, the sort of the seamless way in which you can get um, the account set up and how your sort of credit limit creeps up over time based on your payment activities. But this is this this is an expansion of what they can do. But I think the clever thing here would be and this is what they're talking about, is integrating sort of buy now, pay later with the cash app, right? And yeah. the seller ecosystem. So sellers can now accept buy now, pay later. And then those people who want to pay using buy now, pay later, after pay can use cash app. And this expands sort of, I guess, the potential for the GMV or the gross merchandise volume, or gross payment volume going through their system. Because again, some people mm-hmm. might be motivated to pay more or buy more often because, you know, they can now spread their pay- payments over time and uh, adds nice orthogonal markets, Australia, New Zealand, UK um, to, to the mix. Um, so I think it's an interesting purchase given that there's so much activity, right? So there's a firm, there's PayPal trying, you know, also in the buy now, pay later space, Apple trying to get in. This is Square's way of sort mm-hmm. of jump-starting um, entry into buy now, pay later by buying the leader, right? So, I mean, after pay, after pay it is a verb here in Australia, right? I mean, people basically say after pay it, it's, it's you know, pretty much a verb. <laughs> so that, that, they're yeah. paying for the brand, really. <laughs> And, and mm-hmm. the depth of sort of the, the consumers. 16 million consumers uh, have the Afterpay app. Uh, GMV has been increasing at a rapid pace. And uh, the last point I'll make here, and I'll turn it over to you, is it's again orthogonal in the sense that, you know how, how I talked about Square being sort of, you know, the small to medium scale businesses. Afterpay is all about large retailers. So they've got basically retail chains that they have made deals with because you yeah. know, as at the payment terminal, um, you need to be able to accept uh, the buy now, pay later, uh, after pays payment model. For that, you have to make these deals with uh, with retailers because the retailers are the ones who are paying after pay, right? In in terms of the take rate, right? So the take rate is about four four percent to five percent, uh, roughly, if you think about uh, of the transaction volume they're paying. So yeah, I'll turn it over to you um, at this point. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. That's uh, I think. You know, the, the question that I've seen pop up uh, kind of all over the place is, is why would they spend $29 billion, um, you know, to, to acquire something like this that they could potentially build themselves for a whole lot less? And uh, I think that sort of underestimates the power of the network effects and relationships they already have in place, you know, with those large retailers, uh, with that big base of, of consumers who already have the app, um, you know, and I, I think it also takes, you know, if they were to try and build this themselves from the ground up, um, you know, it basically, um, <laughs> at risk of spurring, you know, antitrust concerns, for, you know, it, but I don't think that's going to be an issue for this transaction because of the, um, you know, other big players in the space like a firm. Uh, but I think, you know, at least they, they take a big uh, player in the space out and 
put them on their side. So combining Square with Afterpay, uh, the network effects of this combined with the fact that Square is still really early in its long-term story, uh, pretty impressive. And, and I guess no surprise uh, on that note to see Square uh, shares trading up, you know, another 10% today. So uh, yeah, cool. quite the, the start to the week, uh, at least for, for earnings season for Square. Uh, and yeah, it's, uh, I think a, a lot of excitement for it and, and I'm not convinced that excitement is unmerited. So, um, yeah, uh, interesting move. So, uh, yeah. A- any other thoughts on, on square, I guess, as, as we, we exit yeah. out here and wind down and, and maybe what you're watching uh, going forward. Yeah. So like the, I mean, one of the things it, so the, you know, is the price too much? And that's always a question, <laughs> the cheaper, the better, but you know, there's an expensive deal when you look at the sort of gross profit uh, of um, of uh, buy now pay later of uh, of uh, afterpay. It's about 500 million. So they're paying like 60 times gross profit uh, to acquire it. That's pretty high multiple to pay. Um, and then of course afterpay's um, EBITDA margins are lower than that of Square. So this is going to be a margin drag in the short term. But you're absolutely right. They're buying the brand. They're buying the consumers. They're buying the retail relationships. These would take a while to build. And I think, you know, it's like in the combination, I think can be a much faster moving machine um, and it can add to sort of the network effect. You know, the more, the more merchants, the more consumers, you know, there's a nice little flywheel. So totally agree with that. Uh, the price is a question. Um, and could you, you know, yeah, I mean, that, that only we know in the fullness of time, but I think this is a really large market, right? And if it's a large market, multiple players can be there. This is Square's answer to the increasing competition in this space, right? So PayPal is doing it. Apple is rumored to do it. Um, some other people are doing it. And I think this is a smart move. In, and there are some synergies here. I think the other thing that is uh, we should acknowledge is just it's bringing talent on board, right? So uh, the the Afterpay, right. uh, you know, yeah. co-founders, you know, are the, are the, the, at least uh, and, and Nick uh, Monlar and... Uh, uh, Anthony Aijan, both of them are uh, coming on board. Uh, you know, we I mean, have to see how long they're staying. Um, but you know, those two can be big drivers. And you know how uh, you know Jack Dorsey, CEO of uh, of Square, he's he's a pretty hands-off type of person, right? He's got all these lieutenants running the show. So <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, having more hands on the deck to do things is actually really really useful. And this could, you know, mean that. Maybe Dorsey is going to become executive chairman. Maybe there is some sort of other uh, uh, other things in the work here. Maybe I'm just speculating, but I, th- I think it's you know it's an interesting transaction, just even from a talent uh, point of view. Um, so yeah, I, li- I like the deal. I mean, of course, as as a shareholder of Squid, I would have appreciated a lower price, but. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. lower price and and yeah, you know, I guess we have to keep in mind what it is an all stock transaction, correct? Right, Um, that's right. I believe it was, yeah, uh, all stock. So I guess on one hand, not dragging on their cash balance, but yes, it is uh, a dilutive uh, transaction. But hey, the market applauded it. And, uh, and, and the opportunities unlocks could be really, really interesting. So um, I guess, uh, you know, that 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 pretty well sums up uh, square unless we have anything else, but uh, moving into the week. Uh, maybe a couple other things we're watching. I can turn it over to you in a second, but um, I, I know we've got a jobs report on on tap that people will be kind of keeping an eye on, at least uh, here in the U.S. 
and then uh, moving forward from there, uh, bunches of earnings, including all the travel companies uh, later this week. So that should be interesting to watch uh, some some strange comparables and, and thoughts on, on what's going forward. Uh, lingering Delta variant concerns and the ongoing pandemic and all the usual suspects that are keeping us on our toes. Uh, but a busy week of earnings, I think, above all, is uh, is what I'll be watching. Uh, how about you? Yeah, well, well, I'm just interested in seeing. So the, I'm, I'm really watching what the reopening, actual reopenings, how they're going to, uh, you know, pan out. So the UK is reopening, Canada's reopening plans. And that would really define my view, you know, whether you know, so the pandemic is really behind us or not. I think it's behind us. But, you know, every time I hear Delta, Gamma, Lambda, all these different type of variants, and I'm, we're going to run out of Greek, <laughs> Greek letters pretty soon <laughs> at this pace. But, you know, I think the real test is, is, is some of these countries and how their uh, uh, hospitalizations are shaping up. And, of course, I agree, uh, travel is going to be interesting. And I'm, I'm actually, what I want to read is what their forward guidance is, because that, that might be telling us yeah. to some extent. But yeah. Yeah, and uh, and I guess looking back at, at last week's earnings, when we had big tech on tap, and and the, you know by all by any measure, these results were just stunning. Uh, watching the growth at scale uh, from a lot of these massive tech companies that released earnings last week, but uh, part of the concern is this decelerating growth that's still kind of really impressive. So uh, you know I, I don't know uh, how the market's going to continue to react at this, but um, yeah, it, it's it's. Uh, you know, anyone's best guess, but I guess we just keep our heads down and, and keep picking uh, what we think are, are great companies or reasonable valuations and, and do that for seven investing. So, yeah. Absolutely. Good. Um, well, I, I think uh, we've, we've probably exhausted our time. We wanted to try and keep these to 15 minute kind of recaps of what we're watching and, and, uh, and see uh, for the day. Uh, but thanks everybody for, for joining and listening in. Uh, if I have any questions, uh, feel free to to tag us at seven investing uh, or our individual Twitter handles. We're always uh, active and love chatting with you all. So uh, thanks so much for joining us guys. Thank you. And gals. Take care. Bye. A reminder that people on this program may hold positions in the companies that are mentioned. Buying and selling stock carries financial risk, which could include the loss of capital. The views in this program should not be taken as personalized advice. Before acting on any of the information provided, listeners are encouraged to consult a financial or tax professional.